Welcome to the family on the Tom Bernard Podcast with Andy Brant Bernard and Mike Bryant. You know, Sprinthal said he was going to be here. I don't know where Sprinty is, but he said he was going to be here. Who knows? What the hell do I know? Catherine's out. Alex is out. Because he's still got a little sickness in the family, so they're taking care was of Was Alex that. still sick? Was Alex sick again? No, Fawny is. Oh, Fawny is. Yeah, Fawny is. Well, that sounds good. Well, it's been all four of them now, so Fawn's the last one. And yep. <laughs> There's only one super bean still in the room. <laughs> oh, God. Don't call Andy a super bee. No, he got it. Too. Uh, yeah, sick. He got it too. I understand. I sick, yeah. yeah. All right, so that's everything. I think that's it. We'll take a break. We'll we can do right a live back. commercial though. Yeah, I can do a live commercial for Bradshaw and Brian. Yeah, so that's the buzz. Um, you, we get calls all the time for all different matters. I talk to people about contract issues. I talk to people about uh, I don't know family law issues. And one of the things is Joe and I were both president of the trial lawyers, so we know lots of other lawyers, or we know advice to at least give people. Uh, it's always a free call, and that's what we do. So we get those calls all the time, and. Just want to know that available because I I get these calls sometimes. It's like, well, I didn't know you did that. It's like I don't do that, but I can get you the right person. So you're well, not, you're not you floating go. around. And I and you've called with references every once in a while. You've needed something, and I've gotten you different. That's names. true. So that's what we do, Bradshaw and Brian's free consultation, and uh, we're there for you if you need us. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. I can even do a live Walzer if you want one. Oh, love to hear him. Yeah. I so. thought Dougie'd be here to do his own, but he caved. Yeah, I had uh, had an issue with the you know the boys having one car and one car oh, needs yeah. to go to Bemidji, so I got hold of Doug and Doug got hold, got me in touch with J Lo and J Lo got back to me and. I went in and met a new sales guy, and we got things worked out for the youngest. It was really good. I mean, you know, there's nothing special. I mean, I think they treat everybody like that, and you go in there, and they go through all the paperwork with you. They explain everything really well. Um, We were going through, you know, they have lots of options on used cars, but right now leasing is the best deal for for the product in the long run. Um, I can't lease because I drive the hell out of cars, so it's not an option for me. Yeah, but, right. you know, we got a young man in a new car, and they did great work, and it was just great to deal with them. I will tell you this Walzer.com. I got to do the tag first. <laughs> That's right. You, you did. Pill. I, I, I trampled on the tag. Why don't you get a job at KQ? <laughs> anyway, um, I should mention that uh, J-Lo uh, is coming to pick my car up tomorrow. I need uh, service on it, so they're going to come pick it up. And that's another thing they do is if you you can't get in, they will come and pick your car up. What do you think of that action? Yep, they, they have a service department that's great. And I'll do what I always do to Doug, but I'll do it to you. Brad, Sean, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Brian Zepp. Summer is finally here, and if you're like me, you've got some serious riding planned. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, metric cruiser, or sport bike, you'll find what you need at Dennis Kirk. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets, too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. It's Michael Bryant playing his git box. He's got his acoustic guitar with him today. When I'm not playing the bongos. When you're not playing the bongos like Marlon Brando. Sitting around <laughs> in the nude playing the bongos. Speaking of that, by the way, I watched episode 7 last night because Catherine has not been feeling all that great. 
uh, watched episode seven of The Offer last night. I thought it was terrific. Is se- is seven the late? No, they got eights out. Eights out now. Eight. Yeah. I I didn't like seven as much. I That's thought, what I heard. I yeah. thought seven was a transitional one. And but there's a couple things in seven that really are cool when you look at it. Oh I mean, yeah, um, I agree. And and it's been out for for two weeks, so we can talk about it. I think we're we're beyond the point of spoilers as far right. as it goes. You should watch this series, but especially if you like The Godfather. But no doubt to watch the way the director went through the process with with um, um, with uh, uh, what's his name uh, uh, who Ruddy? sleeps sleeps with the fishes. Um, uh, why am I forgetting? Um, who sleeps with the fishes? Oh, you're talking about Lou Ferrigno? Yeah, Lou Ferrigno, but he plays the guy who Luca played Brazzi. Luca Brazzi. The way he he dealt with the issue that he didn't know his lines, I know. that was really cool. It was really like, the good. The way he built that in, that was just yep. really, that is amazing. Now, eight is incredible. That's <laughs> what I hear. There's some things at eight that are so good. That's what I hear. Especially if you know The Godfather. They're so good that that eight is like, eight blows so much of it away. This is this is very good series. We and, have our guest on the oh. phone. Okay, we'll close very quickly with the fact that that uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden they're at the old uh, Columbus Circle. Yep. And I said, uh-oh. Ken goes, what? I said, uh-oh. <laughs> That's all I have to say to you. And, of course, Joe Colombo gets shot mm-hmm. but didn't die for seven. People don't realize he didn't die for seven years. Yeah. He lived till like, 1970, like, May of Yeah, when you see his face mushed up against the podium, you I think, know. that guy looks gone to me. <laughs> he looks dead, man. But, he, yeah, he lived another seven years after that. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. Gene Rice, I've never been shot. I hope you haven't either. Yeah, that's like in the offer. No, I haven't. Thank God. You've never been. I gotta watch that show, Tom. Oh, it's a great show. Oh, Gene, I'm telling you, honest to God, it's called The Offer. It is one of the best streaming or any shows I've ever seen. It's phenomenal. Mm. No, (laughs) I'm gonna watch it, guys. I'm gonna start. All right, sounds great. My kind of show. Oh, I think it's everybody's kind. Of, wait a minute now, Michael. Michael Bryan, who's here, just gave me the. Uh, you don't the think greatest it's one of, the, of all time? I said it's one of the greatest. Oh, one of. of all. Okay, I'll give you the one of. Well, what would be but the greatest of all time? The greatest TV show of all time for me is Mad Men. Mad Men's pretty good. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Except yeah. I didn't hang myself yeah. at the end of it. Didn't yeah. that one guy hang himself? One of the guys did early. I thought he did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was that earlier? Yeah, it's it's. It, I don't think it's near the end, or it might be the last season. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I have to, Michael and Tom. I disagree, man. I would go with The Sopranos. Oh the yeah, time, but mm-hmm. yep. yeah, pretty phenomenal. That is very good, and that stands up. There's no question about that. Oh yeah, no question. Mm-hmm. My favorite line of yeah. all time in The Sopranos, Gene Rice, is when he's got the uh, the Yiddish, uh, he's got <laughs> the full dressed, old fashioned Yiddish guy up against the wall. And he goes, listen here, ZZ Top. <laughs> I thought it was the greatest line of all time. <laughs> and you, you know my favorite line in that, Polly Walnuts, when he walks into oh, the, yeah. ho- the, the hospital shop? room. No, he walks oh, into the, the hospital, hospital room, room. Okay. with Tony laying in the bed. He's like, yo, Marone, you look horrible. You look horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, hey, Marone. Uh, yeah, he, honest to God, what a great show that mm-hmm. is, no doubt about it. See, now, uh, all, we, all we do is talk yeah. about positive things. Gene Rice with us, ladies and gentlemen. Grad to grown up, 68 tips to excel in your personal life, professional life. My, I got one extra tip you can throw in there if it's not in there, Gene. Stay away from people. Yeah, give it to me. Stay away from people. Stay away. Anybody in management, <laughs> stay the hell away from them because nothing good can happen. What do you think? 
Well, listen, you know, one of the 68 tips is learning how to manage your manager. Right? Oh, I love it. <laughs> Wonderful, Gene. <laughs> That's one of the things you have to learn, Tom, you know? That's great. Hey, let me just share, before we get to talk about the book, Grad the Grown-Up, I want to share something with both of you, because I know you're in uh, Minneapolis. Yes, sir. I was in the executive search industry, as you know, for 30 years and built one of the biggest firms. But I used to have a number of clients out of the Minnesota, Minneapolis area. And we were moving executives in there. And I tell people all the time that if people don't know Minnesota and Minneapolis, it was very hard to get an executive to move there. Oh, yeah. But it was, it was even harder, Tom and Michael, if someone was in Minnesota and from Minnesota, they didn't want to leave. There was a sense of community. There was a culture there that people loved that area. And if we could find somebody in doing a search that had gone to school there or originally was from Minneapolis, they would go back in a heartbeat. So I want to compliment you. I know you guys have uh, a great thing going on up there. It's Tom being on the air all these years. They all want to come back and listen to you. That's it. 51 years they've been coming back to listen to me. Yeah, the only problem, Gene, up here, and I'm going to be flat out, I was born here. I I grew up here. I've lived in New York City, lived in other places, loved it. Uh, Spent a lot of time in Chicago and far away as Jacksonville, Florida. The only thing I do not like about Minnesota, and I've never liked it, and where I grew up, Gene, in the inner city, it wasn't like that. So once I left my own neighborhood and got out into the real world of Minnesota, the passive aggressiveness in this state is way out of control. And okay. I, I'm, I don't yeah. know if you've ever or even heard of that. Most people probably haven't. But I have never been to a place. And, look, I love Minnesota. Half the people here are the greatest people in the world, and I do love it. That's why I still live here. But about half the people, man, you better watch your back if you're doing business with them. That's all I'm saying because they'll well, smile in your face and stab well. you right in the back. Ah, uh, Sorry to hear that. It's true sorry story. to hear that. It's true. You know? <laughs> yeah. Crazy, crazy. And I'm such an even keel guy. Why would they go after me? I'm uh, I'm about as level as they come, you know. <laughs> that part's not true. Then anyway, moving forward. Listen, you, you sound very level to me, Tom. Right. Oh yeah, I bet I bet I. Where are you from originally, Gene? I'm originally from Long Island, but I've lived for the last 25 plus years in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Oh, so sure. about Beautiful. 30 minutes outside of Philly. Yeah, New Hope, the New Hope area. I don't yep. know if you know that area. Yes, sir. Washington Crossing. Yeah, so, yeah, we we like it here, but I can't get rid of my Long Island accent, they tell me, <laughs> even after 25 years. Gene, you do not want to get rid of that accent. It's a great accent. <laughs> Thank you. No one's ever told me that before. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Although, does that make you a Yankee fan? Oh. No, Ooh, let me. I grew up a Met fan. Oh, I grew up a Met okay. fan. <laughs> New York Met. Okay, you're good. Right. Although it's the, the 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 World Series in eighty in oh what year? Why am I blanking the year? Eighty six. Yeah. So. Oh, eighty six was that Boston and New Boston York. Boston and the Mets. Yeah. And Boston and the Mets. I yeah. remember that the year before the Twins won their first World Series. Yeah. Gene Rice. Well, I go back to sixty nine. Right? Oh. Yeah. 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 Miracle Mets. Everything you didn't learn in school, but all you need to know to launch your personal and professional life. This ought to be interesting, Gene, because I I literally, from the time I was 14 years old, I knew what I was going to do for a living. I wanted to get into radio, and I've been doing the same morning show in this town for 37 years, and uh, it's been a hell of a deal. So I, I got very lucky, Gene. I knew what I wanted to do from the time I was 14 years old. Yeah. And let me tell you something, you know, Tom. 
and you are one of the lucky ones, right? Because oh, yeah. I believe, and this is one of the things. This is one of the things the book the book goes into. I believe one of the goals of life for every human being should be to find something that you are that you love doing, that you're passionate about, and then doing it well enough that you can you, you can make a living doing it. Because my experience has been, I also found that in the executive search, I had purpose. If you can find something like that, something you love and then you can figure out a way to make a living doing it. You don't yep. wake up in the morning going to work. You wake up in the morning going to something you absolutely enjoy. Your personal health is better. Your, you know, your, your relationships are better. The glass isn't half full. It can be overflowing. And one of the things grad the grown-up goes into, so I think a lot of young adults especially, they have things they're passionate about, but they have no idea on how to get a job doing it right so we take them through a roadmap we give them from step from a to z how to first of all identify that passion how to make sure it's real right then how to go out and get interviews and then how to win the interview once you find it so that's one of the things i think is really really important because you you see it yourself you wake up in the morning you go to something you love Mm -hmm. you're laughing you're feeling good and it makes such a difference in your life so you and I are on the same page with that. No, there's no question about it. I, I just it's been a it's been a hell of a lot better than working for a living, Gene, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, listen, I started off, you know, my first career back in New York, Tom, is I owned I owned rock and roll clubs, right? What rock you and own? roll uh, clubs. It, <laughs> I would only book we we had a uh, we came up with an original idea in Long Island, we only booked original bands. So, you know, to play the club, all you had to do was play your own music. And we had bands like the Ramones, and Joan oh, Jett, right. and Lee the Straight Cats all came through. I had a lot of fun, but then I got engaged, and my wife convinced me I had to get a real job. So, but, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's uh, going yeah, but it's, it's, it's having purpose in your life. You know, like I, I think I shared with you, there was a recent survey done, I think, by the conference board, and they interviewed a number of executives, 2,000 executives, and 51 of these executives said they had no job satisfaction. So they were waking up and, and going to work for a paycheck. You know, think how sad that is, right? It's a tough road to hoe, yep. And, you know, and like, you know, I see with these young, I would bring in four college interns every summer into my company for eight weeks. And I felt that if I was going to, you know, bring them in for eight weeks, I would spend a couple hours with them every week. And it started off as Gene's life lessons, things I wish I knew going into my senior year in college. Yeah. And all these questions came about, right? And one of the things that was sad is when you would grab a young person and talk to them one-on-one, I would say, why are you going into law? Why do you want to be an engineer? Why do you want to be an accountant? And the answer, the overwhelming answer you would get is someone influential in their life, whether it was a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, kind of pointed them in that direction. And the sad thing was, I can't tell you how many of them went out, graduated with college loans, did the job, and came back to me two years later and hated it. And I'll give you an example. And one, this is one of the things we talk about in grad to grown up. I had two young, two young gentlemen who went to law school, two of the best law schools in the U.S. One went to NYU and one went to Boston College, right? Mm. They both graduated in the top 25% of their class. They went to work at two, you know, big law firms. 
And within two years, both of them absolutely hated what they were doing. Right? <laughs> yeah, that happens. My daughter, my daughter, who I wrote the book with, she went to Lehigh University. She was an economics and English major. And at Lehigh, if you had a 3.75 GPA or higher, right, they paid for your master's. And she stayed and they paid for her master's really? degree. She thought she wanted to be a lawyer. She says to me, I want to, I want to be a lawyer. I said, listen, before, before you do that, let's see if we can find a small boutique law firm and you'll offer to go in to work for free this summer so you can get some experience oh. about, around oh. what being a lawyer is all about. She reached out. She found this small firm. This partner took her in, and he exposed her to everything involved with being a lawyer the research aspect of it the administrative he took her into the courtroom five or six times that summer and at the end of it michael and tom she came to me and says i have no desire to be a lawyer anymore i said thank god because i was going to pay for part of that law school right? yeah yeah <laughs> but she, she always wanted to be a teacher but she thought that was under her like it, mm. she wasn't aiming high enough and I said to her, you know, the whole thing with Mark Twain, you know, two most important days, the day you're born and the day you realize why you were born. And she loves being a high school English teacher. And I was recently, I had an opportunity to go into a Wawa to get a sandwich with her in the town that she taught in. And there was three of her ex-students working at this Wawa and seeing how they responded to her and how happy they were to see her made you know made me feel you're doing exactly what you should be doing and this book goes into detail about that you know and understanding your passions and and not giving them up you know so there's a lot here a lot that can help i hope just to let people know who maybe not uh, spend a lot of time out east wawa is pretty much like speedway would be yep. in minneapolis st paul mm-hmm. spent a lot of time at the yeah. wawa on yeah. Bel- belvedere and west palm beach as a matter of fact they were, I was yeah. confused by the barbecued billboards. Yeah. It's like, that sounds like a good place, and you find out it's a gas station. It's like, <laughs> the hell? Hey, Tom and Michael, I got to tell you about an email I got yesterday from a young gentleman who just read the book. I thought you might appreciate it, right? So th- th- there's a chapter in the book called Talk to the Oldest Person in the Room, right? And this young man sends me an email. And he says to me, I just finished working. He was at a New York City, a 14-hour day, and I went to get a bite to eat by myself. And I just read your book, and I finished eating. I looked up, and at the bar was this older gentleman drinking a beer by himself. So I said, you know, let me see if that, if that tip really works. Because in the book, talk to the oldest person in the room, it, 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 it talks about how much information, how much value you can get out of it. But I think a lot of young adults don't know the questions to ask. So he said, I went, I sat next to the guy after dinner, ordered the beer, and started asking him some of these questions from the book. And he goes, I'm reaching out to you just to tell you, two and a half hours later I left. It's one of the best nights of my life. He goes, the the gentleman was a retired senior writer from the Johnny Carson show, and the stories he told me, he goes, "I, I was laughing all the way home. So there's a whole bunch of different things around that that people can get from it, you know? Yeah, and uh, and that's how things should be. I love the uh, the way you just laid that whole deal. Oh, by the way, I need to mention something to Eugene because you, you made a statement, and I had just been talking to a friend about this, that uh, in 1980, God, was 1980, I believe it was, 
Uh, I moved from Minneapolis to New York City, lived in Manhattan, just did voiceover with uh, uh, Don Buckwald was my agent, and I, I flew out there to live in New mm. York City and all the rest of it. Now, remember, I grew up in the inner city, so I didn't grow up in, you know, in, I guess, Minnesota Central. So I fly into LaGuardia, I get in a taxi, and we're headed through the Midtown Tunnel, and we get out of the Midtown Tunnel, and I look at the, you know, the medallion on the on the dashboard shows the driver's name and his license to drive a taxi, right? And his name was like Santino something. I don't remember his last name, but his name was Santino. But this will show you what you're talking about, getting rid of the accent or just loving where you're from or whatever. So I look and I see his name. I go, hey, Santino, so you having a good day? And there was a long pause, and he goes, familiarity breeds contempt. (laughs) (laughs) Familiarity, not familiarity. Familiarity breeds contempt. So don't forget that, Gene. I won't. I won't. I won't. I think it's wonderful. Oh, God, you must be a popular yeah. guy, Gene, because now Doug Sprinthal, that guy's usually on Thursday. He just walked in the room. Now he wants to hop on. You got some time to spend with us? Sure. Oh, phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, yep, Doug Sprinthal's putting his headphones on right. What's that say on your hat? Fuse? Yeah. What's that? It's a software company that sends me. Things he's been working on forever. Well, that's the deal. Yeah. I get it. Now, Gene, I should I, I should introduce you to Doug Sprinthal. Doug has been on uh, on my morning show now for what ten, twelve years as Michael Bryant. Since has. right after the Model T came out. Model T came out, Gene, and they all hopped on the show. But not so. What's great about this? My son is the engineer. Andy is here, and then you got Mike and you got okay. Doug, and they're both big clients, but they've become really, really good friends as well. So, you know, it, it's how life is supposed. I know I should be going, oh, this sucks, that sucks, life sucks. No, but I, I'm sorry, Gene. I have a great life, and I'm not going to piss and moan about it. You know what I mean? And and that's one of the goals. That's one yeah. of the goals, my friend. I'm happy for you, right? I'm happy. Well, thank you very you much, Gene. Yeah. Well, you, you were going to say Go something. Ahead. I'm sorry. My fault. I was going to say, like, my company, I brought my son, my daughter, and my son-in-law in. You know what? If you can bring family around you and people you love, yep, that's that's even better, right? It's even better. Uh, don't don't say that I love Mike and Doug though. Would you please not say that again? I was a little touchy. <laughs> 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 well, you're very fond of them. You're, yes, I'm very fond, very of, fond of both of them. them. That's exactly right. So, Dougie, <laughs> sir, we're talking about everything you didn't learn in school, but you all you need to know to launch your personal and professional life. Gene Rice, our very special guest, grad to grown up, 68 tips to excel in your personal and professional life. Where Wait. were you in 1982? You in 19- <laughs> so I was a liberal arts oh, graduate and not at all prepared for the business world. This sounds like it. it's just you should have written it 40 years earlier, I think. Yeah, there you go. I. Yep, absolutely. I, that's, I've heard that from a lot of people. A lot of people have read and said, I wish I had had this when I came out of college. There's a lot of stuff in there for everybody, though, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going over all the mistakes I made in my life that maybe might help some other people and might help them avoid some of the potholes in life, you know? And that's, you know, that's the key. And I think if the average person would understand, although, Gene, i got to ask you a question because... Um, yeah. The latest data that's come out, the statements made by people in the Andy, what's the one after you again? The the 
generation generation well that would be z z that's generation z Mm -hmm. a lot of them have no idea they've they've graduated college some of them now and they have no idea what they want to do with their life they have no uh understanding at all that they may someday have a job uh do you know anything about that why the younger generation now just doesn't see much of a future for themselves it's kind of scary actually yeah it it really is and and the thing that's even scarier they all have these college loans. Oh, that, oh yeah. You know, one, $1. trillion dollars, right? I mean, and, you know, the funny thing is I would ask these, these college interns of mine, you know, they all know how much money they borrowed. They all know when they have to start paying it back six months after graduation. But none of them could tell me what the monthly bill was going to be, right. right? Because they don't figure that out until they stop borrowing, right? So I, I just think there's a lot of, there's a lot of young people out there that they don't, like the colleges, one of the things they're not doing, I'm a big believer in internships. Even if it's free, go do, get get exposure, yeah. do things, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and, and see if there's something that, that, that really sticks, something that you can really get excited about. The other issue I got to tell you, with, you know, with this generation is unlike us, right, they they get the job and they don't know how to show up. Like I used to sit and talk to them and I'd say to them, you know, there is no elevator to success. You got to take the stairs. Do you know what that means? You know, <laughs> meaning let's say you're one of those lucky ones who get hired at a big company. Well, I want you to know you're getting hired and 19 other college graduates, just like you got hired. And then you fast forward 10 years, two of that 20 will emerge and go into management. What are they doing different than the other 18? And just trying to explain to them and make them be prepared for how they have to show up, how they have to, you know, initiate mentorships, build relationships internally. Those are the things that, you know, that, that I try to share with them that I think they really need. Now, Gene, let's say you're a guy, uh, maybe you're living in Minnesota, and he either, you know, you're kind of an okay lawyer or an okay car salesman. What should you do? <laughs> they both gave me well, a dirty if you're not look. Happy, a dirty look. Yeah, if you're not happy, then you should find something that would make you happy, and you should do everything in your power to try to get a job doing it. And let me just tell you a story about that might help you guys. And I think a lot of people don't realize just how much help is out there. Okay. You know, my wife and I started a charity, and... The charity, just so you know, you know, it's Plant a Seed, Inspire a Dream. We've helped over 800 kids pursue their passions. These are young, you know, young adults coming from families that are financially challenged. Mm-hmm. Well, another charity that helps force the kids to get into college uh, who never knew their parents, and then once they graduate, if they're having a hard time getting a first job, they'll reach out to some of the you know, business leaders in the community for help. And I had this charity reach out to me. And he said, we got this great young man coming out of Temple. He's really struggling. He can't find that job. Would you talk to him? I said, yeah, I'll talk to him. So the first question I asked this young man is, what was your major? He says, sports management. I said, sports management. Said, okay. So here, I'm thinking there's very few jobs in sports management. Right. And usually coming out of college, the ones who get that job usually know someone. There's a hook that brings them in. So I said to him, what have you done so far? He goes, well, I sent my resume to the Philadelphia Eagles, the Phillies, the 76ers, 
and the fly is. And I said, so what's happened? He goes, no one's gotten back to me. I'm like, well, let me tell you rule number one, all right? If any of those franchises are looking for someone with absolutely no experience, they're going to reach out to you and the other thousand people with no experience that sent that resume. <laughs> right. I said, you're never going to break in that way. I said, I will help you, and I will we'll go on this journey together, but i got to ask you two questions first. How passionate are you about this sports management? Because if we get lucky, and we probably won't, but if we get lucky, you'll probably end up working for a single-A baseball yep. team in Des Moines, Iowa. Are you ready yeah. to pick up and move yeah. to Des Moines, Iowa? He goes, I'll go anywhere. I said, okay. Second question. If we strike out, which we probably will, what's plan B? What are you willing to do? And he goes, well, I'd, I'd go into sales. I said, great. There's a lot more sales jobs than sports management jobs. And I took him through, and this, in the book, Grad the Grown-Up explains for people how to do this. I said, I want you to identify every C-level executive from those franchises. We're going to start in 100 miles of Philly, and then we're going to expand every 300 miles. And I'll tell you, you know, Tom and Michael, you know, myself, because I got on these top executive recruiter list, right, I would get every single week sent to me between 80 and 120 resumes. When I tell you, I couldn't help one of them probably because the way the executive retained industry works, you specialize in a vertical market. You become the best top recruiter in this. We did management consulting and we did the ed tech vertical. So you could be a CEO from the top, you know, the top consumer products company, but I couldn't help you. But twice a year on average, I would get an email from a young person saying, I am graduating from so-and-so, I'm passionate about the human resources or executive search industry, I've done some research, I know you're a thought leader, would you spend a few minutes and give me some guidance? I always return those calls. I felt, and I know most senior executives would too. So with this young man, I had him write an email, I helped him write an email, he did the research and he identified every C-level executive from those franchises. I said, we're going to start with you know, the major league, then we'll go to triple A and double A, and then when you strike out, we'll go 300 miles. He sends it out to the same Phillies, Eagles, Flyers, and 76s. He gets a response back from the chief marketing officer of the Philadelphia 76s saying, I'll talk to you on Friday. So I helped prepare him for that call because you have to go in with a plan, and the book goes into this. I said, call me when it's over. He calls me about an hour later. I said, how did it go? He goes, I think I went pretty well. I said, why do you feel that way? He said, well, he's invited me in to meet four people on Tuesday. I said, what? Four people on Tuesday? That means there's a job there. He's not going to waste four people's time. Well, I helped prepare him for the interviews. And the end of the story is he ended up getting hired by the Philadelphia 76ers in their corporate sales department. And the message I'm sending for your audience, I want young adults or even senior people, if you reach out and you reach out the right way, people will help. People will give you some guidance. And if you don't get, you know, maybe you won't be invited in for an interview, but maybe they can guide you in some direction to help you get that job that you're passionate about. So thanks for letting me share that. You know, I, I too, recently have started to do some hiring again, and I can uh, give listeners a tip that might be going through this process. Please use a professional email address. I can't tell you how many re- email or uh, resumes I get that it's like, 
uh, Foxy Girl at yeah. AOL <laughs> yeah, or Big Butt Daddy 66. <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> It's a shoe show where yeah. the girls only wear shoes. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Great line, Gene. I like and that. So, listen, listen, here's the other thing. So many of them don't know how to put a professional resume together. You know, like, the resume has one goal and one goal only, to get you the interview. Right. Yep. If it stops you from getting the interview, then you got to fix it. You know, and they don't know. In the book, there's a whole tip on how you put a professional resume together. You know, so and there's no and there's no foxy lady uh, email. On yeah, it, right. <laughs> do, do you you know what I'm saying though, don't you? You get those, I bet. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. That's you know, and, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, but that is amazing. Listen, that's one of the things I really talk about, and I really believe. Right? You want to become, you know, in sports, it's called a Hall of Famer, right? Right. In the Olympics, it's called a gold medal winner. And, you know, in science, it's called a Nobel Prize winner. I think another goal that every human being should have is becoming a grand master of interviewing. Now, why is that so important? When you finally find that job you really want, you're probably going to be interviewing against four or five other people. Right. The grand master is the one who gets offered the job and whose compensation can be higher. They come out of school, they don't know how to interview. It's a skill. It's a really important skill. It can determine your career and what direction it goes. There's a professional way to do it. And in the book, we actually walk them through, step all the way, from the beginning to the end, how you have to handle that. You know, I can't tell you how many people have come out of interviews and I said, okay, how did it go? It went great. Did you have any concerns? Oh, I thought it was going so well, I didn't feel I had to ask that question. Then I would go back and talk to the client, and they'd say, yeah, there would be a couple of minor concerns if they had asked it. We would have addressed it. And there's a whole way on how you have to professionally ask that. Because in every interview, my experience has been the person doing the interviewing will always have some sort of concerns about the person they're interviewing. Sometimes the concern is the person's overqualified. Sometimes it's underqualified. As an executive search professional, the only time I got concerned is when there was no concerns because they were really the buying signal. That's that you know, that's an accepted fact. What's not acceptable is you to take the time to go on an interview and leave and not even ask the question, did you have any concerns, and, and give yourself a chance to address it if it's false or minimize it and maximize your strength if it's real. So we take them through that in the book, Grad to Growing Up, and help them with that. Grad to Grown Up, 68 Tips to Excel in Your Personal and Professional Life. Gene Rice, you can check him out at ricecohen.com. Rice Cohen, just one word, of course. Gene, you need to you pop back once in a while. I'd love to talk to you about how it's going with people getting jobs, people hiring. Is it getting better, getting worse? Because after the COVID thing for a couple of years, it's got to be a little different, right? It's very different. It's very different. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, things are changing right now. I mean, you, you go back six months ago. There was three jobs for every one person interviewing. Right. Things are changing right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. companies are laying people off, and it's going to be a different marketplace. So if I can help in any way, Tom, you just let me know. And, guys, I really appreciate time. And uh, like I said, gradtogrownup.com. It's a great graduation gift or a Father's Day gift. And uh, they can find me on LinkedIn job, if I can yeah. help in any way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Michael just made a good point. Get a job, Dad. <laughs> I love that. That works for me. Just don't forget, Gene, before the next time I talk to you, don't forget, familiarity breeds contempt. 
Don't forget that. Listen, listen, I'll tell you one other thing. You know, profanity is the weapon of the witless, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Gene, thanks for your time. Thanks, we'll Gene. talk soon. You take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. Gene Rice, ladies and gentlemen, ricecone.com. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. Dougie Sprinthal in studio. Michael Bryant here, of course, like every Monday. This ought to be an interesting segment coming up next. Dan Chesky's here from Dan's Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dan's Southside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Do do, we're rocking out, man. And Gary did a live commercial for you. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we did a live commercial for you. Sweet. Yeah, yeah come by the new Nissan something. Yes, the I'm new sure Nissan something. Go right to the way. I didn't. He, he was better. It was that's good, nice. I'm just teasing that's my friend nice. Mike. He and his son were nice enough to patronize the house of J Lo, and I'm like, yeah, what did he get? Mike goes, well, it was a Nissan. It's like, mm, okay, something. There's a few of those. Excellent. Although I don't know what my car is, it is a Maxima. It's an Altima. It's an Altima. You have an Altima he, it's SL all-wheel drive. It's a, not a SL. It's oh, okay. A, it's a sport package. Oh, cool. That is. Yeah. All-wheel drive or a front? Uh, they showed us an all-wheel drive, but it was red, and David didn't want a red, and I'm glad he didn't want the red. I wasn't pushing him, but he said he didn't want it, so we went with the white that had uh, that didn't have the all-wheel drive. Oh, cool. But it was front-wheel drive. So I love my car. I tell mm-hmm. you. 
You and David could get together and race Altimas. Mm -hmm. Yes, we could. We could race Altimas. That'd be fantastic. But, you know, a lot of people didn't, when I got rid of the Mafia car, they thought I wouldn't be too happy with whatever I got. But no, I. I, it's a very comfortable car. It's due for service. JLo's picking it up tomorrow. I heard about that already. Didn't you just get it? Yeah, no, but you put been... about six billion That's miles. That's true. On it, I, so. did. I sure did. <laughs> so, you it was last oh, fall. Was it? it was like August or yeah, September. You uh, got that. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. It's like over thirty miles. Yeah. Yeah. So Andy put it like sixty 60, miles a day. Yeah. Six thousand miles on my car. Thanks for that. Probably is right well, yeah. on oil change. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Andy. I look. I get in my car. and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Where did he go? It's burn-in testing, is what it's called. That's right. Oh, is that what it is? Yep. Okay. I was wondering. It's, it's I tested sure. now. I wanted to make sure that that was the case. So, in any case, what else is happening? I was in Boston last week, big dealer group, and they took us out to uh, an Italian restaurant in, God, I can't remember, Norwood, Massachusetts, or maybe somewhere around there. Is that up north? Sub- no, it's suburban Boston, southeast, oh, it's southeast. of the cities, okay. yeah, kind of on the way to Providence. And the father of the automotive company, a guy named Dan, 68 or 69, Best friends with the owner of the Italian restaurant, and this guy is straight out of Central Casting. It's not, it wasn't Luigi, but another Italian name starts with the L. No. They're hugging and kissing, and we've got a private room, and he's like, put the menus away. I'm going to take care of everything. It was a $4,000 dinner for 10 people. $400 a head? Jeez. And that didn't include all the wine that Dan brought in. Right. Opus one, you know, four hundred bucks right. a bottle. You right. Know, yeah, well, a corking fee is probably three hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah, so it could have been. I who knows? Probably true. A corking fee. That they do that these yep. days. But I didn't eat again until well this morning, and that dinner was Thursday night. I've yep. never eaten so much food in my life. It yeah, was it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. Oh my God, what did you eat? Everything. I mean, they just brought out everything. everything. What was it? I mean, give me, come on, Mr. Nissan. If it existed in Italy, I ate everything. I ate some spaghetti. I ate some olio. They did did have assorted entrees, and I had sea bass over risotto with a lobster sauce. They apparently put lobster on everything. So you order a filet, it's got lobster on it. Mm -hmm. Which lobster must be cheaper now, because at one point it's supposed to be really expensive. No, it is not. But I've been seeing it so many places. Very expensive. Huh. Last time. Was at high V, live lobsters were twenty six bucks a that's pound. That's not that much different than it's been, I don't think. A pound? That's yeah. not great. That's a lot. Yeah, well, it's still, still expensive, but yeah. My favorite was uh, Brian Zepp went and bought a lobster roll and a beer, and it was sixty seven dollars. Oh Where did you buy the lobster roll? Uh, God, I don't even know. Because the best lobster roll in the world isn't that expensive. No, I've no it's it not, is it? I know. <laughs> yeah, you do know. You're absolutely right about that. Way too many of those. And you've so. had those, haven't you? Yeah. The lobster rolls, phenomenal. They're great. And you got to put the them on a hot dog bun. You know, when they make fancy ones, it's like, no, no, no. It's, it's a toasted no, it's hot gotta dog bun. It's got to be a hot dog bun. Right. You're absolutely yeah. right about that. So did they have any aolio stuff or not? Uh, no. Okay. That's still my favorite in Chicago when your Hall of Fame thing, when you guys came into the restaurant and I was already eating downstairs. At the were, bar. He was eating at the bar the already. guy in the back, especially make me some spaghetti aolio. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> You're already eating. It's He's like down yeah, there eating. I get spaghetti aolio from the kitchen. It was I'm awesome. Hungry. Well, it's not. It was awesome. You know? I imagine. Yeah. That stuff is that. You know, I got to get back. I have not been there in a long, long time. I got to get to Boston. I have not been there in probably 40 years. Never been there in my life. You know, it's my hometown, but it's I, sadly it's not my – there are parts of Boston I like, but generally it's 
It's really hard to get through, and downtown itself is gross. It's, got it's, like the big it's designed dig. by the Russians. It's got the cathedral in it. Yeah, it does. So the big dig. What about that? Did like they ever Beacon finish Hill. it? Yeah. So when we got done, uh, Tom Ryan, as you know, and myself and one of the guys from Kansas City were going to uh, fly back at the same time, but the, the Israelis were going to stick around, and they were switching rental cars. So we're like, well, let's have lunch before you guys take off. It's like 2 in the afternoon. I said, okay, where do you want to go? Tom Ryan goes, well, let's go to Cheers. I'm like, Cheers? Jeez. <laughs> All right. So if you don't know where it is, it's kind of in the heart of Boston, right near uh, the Boston Commons, which is the big open space uh, near Beacon Hill. And it's impossible to find a place to park there. So we're driving around forever. And it actually, Cheers is where it was the concept for the, for the show and the entryway shots that you see where they go down the stairs that's actually the bar but the bar itself it's is a set is, yeah it's just tiny and it doesn't look anything like the TV show and it's just set up to take large amounts of money off tourists mm -hmm. <laughs> if you need an $11 draft beer that's the that's spot the to go yeah. oh, really? did it have like cheers memorabilia oh they had the merch room yep. okay yeah uh, <laughs> they had the front bar merch the merch room, room the back room mm back bar but uh yeah it's if you need to have bar food and spend eighty dollars mm -hmm. for lunch that's the spot to go that is amazing i did love that show though oh, that was great. a great show back in the day greatest place in the world is there that's all so, what's that fenway park fenway yeah. park the cathedral the home of the everything the home of the everything? Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. Everything in the Center world. Of the universe. I still love even, the fact. Even Field of Dreams, they went there. Did they? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't That's where that. the scoreboard lit up, right? Yeah. 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 I still love the fact they got that 40-foot wall in the left field line. Mm -hmm. I just... Uh, and I'm assuming that's that's just how big the lot was, so they had to build it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. They, yeah it just that was just the design the that went with at the time. Jim Wright used to hit balls off that that wall so hard, the shortstop would field them. I yeah. remember. Yeah. Yeah. He that lost was lots of doubles and home runs off that wall. Ted Williams is one of his great skills, and in, in, in addition to being one of the greatest hitters that ever played, he could play defense off that wall and and picked up a lot of balls. There was quite an art to it. But mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, that was built. Over 120 years ago? God, is that right? Yeah, be right. Yeah. I think I remember the very first game was Harvard versus the Red Sox, and Harvard won. Really? About that too. Yeah. What a great story that is. <laughs> it might not be true. Andy, could you uh, let's have another first episode of Andy looks up stuff for old guys on the Internet? Yeah, Fenway <laughs> Park's 110 years old. Yep. 110. This year, actually. It might be first game. Uh, let's see here. I bet you're right. I bet you're right about that. Yeah, in the, yeah, 1912. To play the Red think. Sox or maybe the Braves. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, it opened April twentieth, nineteen twelve. So who was, who, was pl who played the first game? First game. Let's see. I forgot about the Boston Braves. Yeah, it's a while ago. Yeah, a couple of runs. Of the Braves. Yeah, Babe yeah, Ruth coached for the Braves. Yeah, Red it? Sox. No, Red Sox beat Harvard. But oh, yes, it was Harvard. Red Sox okay. and Harvard two zero. Which two zero? You know. All right, it was close. Yeah, we're. That that ballpark is older than World War One. Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. It's older than World War One. First regular season game uh, was when it opened, April twentieth. Uh, Red Sox and the New York Highlanders. The Highlanders. The Highlanders. That's going back a ways. Mm -hmm. What was the name of the first NFL team in Minnesota? If you guys know that, that. was the one in Duluth, wasn't it? Yep, um, they were in Duluth. The Duluth. Uh, what were this? What's their name? The, the Duluth. Horns? It was like a the Bears Duluth or the Duluth. 
Like, um, um, you could not use that name today. They would not allow yeah, it. Kind of like the Cleveland Indians the Duluth, are now the Guardians. Duluth Negroes? No. <laughs> yes, no. the Duluth no, Negroes. That's what it was. What it was. Uh, Duluth, I know it. I Eskimos? Can't. Yep. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Oh, really? Duluth Eskimos. Yep, there you go. Yep, you could not be calling a team the Eskimos these days. Well, Eskimos are Canadian, so it doesn't make any sense anyway. Well, that's true. That's very, very true. But I don't know what the hell. Yeah, that. Uh, you know, let me ask you a question because you only got a couple minutes left. Can, can you stay for a bit of the second part? Sure. You Whatever going. you want. No. You stick around all young and be a Thursday until two fifteen. So I'm good. Good. We just need to do sixty seconds of actual work at some point. What do you mean? I'm busting pass. my ass here right I'm now. This is actual work. It's just I meant me. shoulder to the wheel, yeah. and this is what I get, he Michael. That, he has that flimsy Thursday attitude. <laughs> Not flimsy. The, the flimsy Thursday. Attitude the flimsy of Thursday. Oh, by the way, both of you need to know that I got. I talked to Dan Chesky, and he wants to have another dinner. Great. And he, I think he probably wants to go back where we were. That was. Uh, we, where were we at Murray's? Oh, uh, no, down at. Um, down at, oh, Jesus, my buddy owns the place, too, and I can't uh, remember the name Homewood. Not Homewood. Something like that. It's something like Homewood. Mm-hmm. Crap. It's, it is. Um, what the hell's the name of that place? he just opened another one in Woodbury. Yeah, yeah he there's did. one yeah. in St. Louis Park. He's doing really well. Yeah, there's yeah. one in St. Louis Park now, too. Yo, too he's bad, the, we can't remember the name. Terrible marketing there. He's terrific, though. Home great food? guy. Yeah. He's a member of Golden Valley. That's why I met him. Just a great, great guy. Really nice man. But, uh, yeah, so Chesky wants to get together with the wives and cool. uh, have a little dinner and... You know, because you know, Moon doesn't get out much anymore, from what I understand, which I'm sorry to no, hear. No, you know, it's funny. I ran into Grant at uh, KS when I was over there earlier today, and he says, you should call him. He's a little, He's been a little down, and it's like, I haven't talked to him God, in a gotta, month or so. so. i got to talk to him, too. I absolutely, what a great guy. The wife's far too good for him, just like the rest of us. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I do. What the hell? It's young. Where's, speaking of the wife, where's the missus? She uh, doesn't feel well, and Alex is not here because Fawny has the, the big C, but she's not sick. Fawn's okay. got oh, she's COVID. All right. <laughs> what you think? No, no not big, cancer. Actually, no, oh, no, my God, you're that right. That's right. That's no, you're right. That is the big that's C. That's why I was a little mortified. It's yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. She's just casually, yeah. Like, cool. She's not yeah, yeah. sick. Fawn's yeah. got yeah. leukemia. Just leukemia. Shake it off. I didn't even think about that. What a dope. Hazelwood. There, there we you go. go. There you go. You guys just get confused because of the places you've been. Yeah, Hazelden. <laughs> well, Hollywood. Hazelteen. You know, Hazelteen. We've been out there. I went to treatment know. at yeah. Hazelteen and I lost four balls in the first nine holes. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, really? How'd you, when'd you come up with that? Just one? then. I just, just wrote now. it right in my head. Do you remember that article when Royce went out there and shot like a 156 or something? Oh, yes, something? I do. Yeah, I used to play golf with him. Played, played together out there. He, he he played with who? Gene Panzer. He's a guy I knew from uh, Public Golf Association. Oh, and really? They both shot like a. They played from the USA US Open tees. Oh, you don't want to do was, that. It was Come a on tough in. Day. I did that from seven. From how are you? Hello. What's the latest? Come on in. Take a seat. Oh, Life about will be grand. This hour. Yeah, the hour. The first hour is coming to an end. Grinding to a halt. Grinding. A lot of grinding. Yeah, I played out there the day after the U.S. Open, and was it in 1991 or something? Oh, my God. How you go 15? If you hit a ball oh into the rough, you, there was, and in fairness, 
the pros, they never lose those because there's so many people staying playing right, around. Right, right. As an amateur, there's nobody watching me play golf. So That's it's like, oh, very true. Not even going to look for that one. I eagled a hole out there. Did you really? Yeah, yeah the one, the water. I think it's 15 down, and then it was 7, or they moved it. But um, it was right after Chip Beck had they'd been out there for the Ryder Cup back a oh, long yeah. time ago. Yeah, a long time and ago. And Chip Beck laid up on that hole. And so the guy with me says, well, what would Chip Beck do? I said, lay up. And I friggin' hammered one right within three feet of the hole. Did you really? Rolled in the... the and you made uh, the putt? Good, made the good putt boy. straight in. And, and it kind of, the member we were with, it kind of upset him. But what I understood is he told people for years about the guy he was with that had an eagle on that Yeah, hole. there you go. <laughs> so you tin cupped it. Yep. Did you ever get out there for any of the PGA events? Oh, yeah. I went, I went out there for... Uh, I was out there for the Open that Stuart won. Oh, okay. Um, and I was out there for something else, it seems. So. 16, that hole, you know, yep. dog right, yep. goes out to the water. I played that from the tees, the back tees, yeah. There were at least three guys when I sat there that almost drove that green. Oh, yeah. Huh? I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a long, long shot, and they, they did he a did great that job. cut off the water and go over the top. So yeah. Landon, Landon just came in, Landon Banks just came in, Landon, I got a... a I just made this big, huge mistake because I have a granddaughter, and she is, she's not sick. She's got, she's got a malady, but she's not sick. You know, little kids sometimes yeah. don't feel it. She got COVID, actually, oh, no. but she's not sick. And I, like a moron, I'm talking to Doug, and I go, yeah, she got the big C. He thought I meant cancer. <laughs> I'm oh. like, whoa! Because that's what they do call the big C, isn't it? That's right. Yes. My mistake, that's all I have to say. Landon, one of the things that I we're gonna have Landon up in the next segment, but I, we're gonna wrap this one up. But I just wanted to tell you, I just love the name of your new song. Thank you. So I wish much. we were a lot more honest about life and just go. Can we just all call it Sissy Boys? It's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, don't you think? Thank you. Yes, yes. I, I think it's very catchy. I wish I could say that I wrote the song, but. I did my version of it, so thank you to Donnie West for writing it and coming up with that wonderful title. And oh, he's I'm, the one who came up with the title? And he wrote it about 15 years ago, and I was in his music video for it, and now I I remember have, you told me that, yeah. Yes, I have my chance to do my version of it, and our music video is going to come out in about a week or two. Oh, it is? Yes, and the song drops on Wednesday, June 8th on digital uh, platforms, so. Do we have any, do, do, you don't have the song with you, do you? It should Oh, you do? Andy good. does. Andy's got, good, because I want to hear it. Should Me we take too. a break here, come back in about five minutes? Landon Banks is with us, Michael Bryant's with us, Doug Sprint. i got to stick around to hear this. Oh, I'm <laughs> telling you. See, I just, once again, everybody is so touchy about words now. Is it, would you settle down, for God's sake? <laughs> I happen to think, to tell you the truth, that the term sissy boys is very endearing, is it not? I think so. I, that's how what you I think. use it and who you say it to. Well, I suppose if you, yeah, oh, yeah. But if I go like this, Michael Bryan. Yeah. That's yeah. all just a You can make word. anything a slur if oh, you want. Right. <laughs> I, I can pick a place you can walk into and say that and good luck. <laughs> I get my ass handed to yeah, me. Is yeah, that what yeah, you're yeah, saying? Yeah. I might get knocked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the old Manny the Horse thing at the New York Steakhouse. <laughs> yeah, Manny the Horse. You know that story, don't no. you? Well, you know, oh, I'll tell that. Closing out, many, many years ago in the early 1980s when Catherine and I lived in New York, I went to the New York Steakhouse with a friend, and I'm sitting there, and there was a guy about from me to Landon, and he's got three napkins down his shirt. Not one, not two, but three. Mr. Creosote? And he's literally eating like this. He's like that, and I'm not kidding. So back in those days, I used to maybe have a glass of wine with dinner now and then. 
Is that when they called glasses bottles? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's Sorry. how it's going to go. So I just look at the guy and go, hey. And he looks at me. I go, could you just quiet down a little bit? My God, that's obnoxious. As soon as I'm done saying it, the manager comes over and puts his hand on my shoulder, leans over to my right ear, and he goes, that's Manny the horse. He will kill you. And I went, whoops. <laughs> Did I turn white enough, do you think? <laughs> I will never forget that as long as I, I'm calling a mafia Don a pain in the ass. What a great idea that was. That worked out. And you lived to tell about it, too, I right? did live to tell about it. Then. Yes. But once once he saw the look on my face after the manager was talking to me, he saw the look on my face, and he just started laughing. He thought it was like, uh, uh, uh. He thought that was hilarious. It's like, no, I'll let him go. I'll let this one slide. Yeah, you're going to let it slide because you got to laugh out of it. We're going to take a break. Land of Banks in studio with us, ladies and gentlemen. Sissy Boys released on, uh, it's two days, right? Uh, yes, two days. Released on Wednesday. I think we're playing it here, so we can uh, call yeah. that the world premiere, I guess. We'll do the world premiere. <laughs> we'll take a very quick break. Be right back. Dougie's going to stay. We're going to, you want to cut the commercial during the break? Yeah, or you let's do, do it, it during on the break. The air? No, let's do it during the break. Okay, we'll do it during the break, KQ. Andy. Well, the break's going to be on the air regardless. Well, that's fine. Okay. But that way we can do it a couple of times if, if on the odd yes. chance that we don't nail it on the first day. Oh, is that ever going to happen? Yeah, professionals <laughs> like us somehow. That's right. We're professionals. All right. We'll be right back with all of that right after this. <laughs> 